under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Going into my way back machine. Playing some of my music from college for brand. I just just an excuse to rip exactly. like guitar up. Get a gu- guitar solo going. Ah, I miss that. It's almost as good as sex. Playing almost. a really nasty guitar solo like this. Almost. Almost as good. But naturally it's similar. You want to slow, kind of ease into it? And then build it up. Does it, make, does it make you want a cigarette afterwards? Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is what I did in college, folks. I didn't play video games. I sat up in my room and played guitar like this. It wasn't always good. But it made me happy. I know you're only supposed to eat two of the mushrooms, right? (laughs) (sighs) I'm just basking in my own narcissism, folks. Listen to a 10-year-younger Joey. Or no, this is eight years ago. Wow. That was me playing guitar eight years ago. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Young and optimistic. Well, Young and optimistic, though, if you, like, read the beginning of this stuff, I I added some pretty, uh, like... You know, I was soul-searching. And I would, like, write out poetry. Oh, my God. And it wasn't love poetry. It wasn't cringe. It was kind of philosophical. This is my question. Why does every guy go to college and decide to become a poet? Because. Have you ever seen Dead Poet Society? Yes. Chicks dig poetry, man. Come on, man. Chicks dig drummers. Chicks dig everything Chicks dig money. Yeah, that's and true. And security. That's true. That's what they dig. Hey, men dig that stuff, too. Hey, you got true. money, you got a nice house, <laughs> you're able to travel the world, hey, I'm available. Exactly. What was the movie, uh, Hostella Got a Groove Back? Hey. 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 But they like the poet, too. This yeah. is why women like poets only in, in the idea of a poet. They don't want to marry a poet. They don't even really want to date one. But if well, no, they get a no. poem written about them, what, that what? stuff works. Wait, wait a I minute. I know from experience. Wait, wait a minute, but you, you have to look at some of the more rom-commy examples of it. Uh, the Notebook. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which overdid it, but he's reading... touching movie. He's it reading is. Walt Whitman, and she's just in. I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah, Whitman. No, okay. no, no, no real woman is just going to sit. oh, my God, he's reading Walt Whitman. I mean, some will. No. Not all of them. Some will just roll their eyes and be like, oh, look at this fruitcake. <laughs> like, what is this guy doing trying to... He's trying to impress me, like how worldly and well Exactly. Let me just... 
Let me just go along with this ego and just... But you led right into the topic. And by the way, folks, welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am Joey. Alongside me tonight is Brandon. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to 2019. And over the busy holiday weekend, and I finally got around to it, you've been doing this, like, Joey Clark Radio Hour Declassified. Oh, yeah. Where you kind of splice in clips uh, into the... the, Apropos to the topic of conversation. Of of course. Um, It kind of helps break the conversation down a little easier. And gives it something to relate it to. And one that you did, you interspersed some clips from rom-coms and other comedies, is uh, the great marriage debate we had last year. Where I got jumped. Now, it's almost, uh, we're not quite under 20 days, but we're getting really close to Eric and Emily's wedding. I'll be in it. I'm a groomsman. Congrats. I'm looking forward to that. They're going to have a a great wedding. Um, And seeing them get two puppies together, I'm a puppy godfather now. And they're adorable little dogs and are, well-tempered. Are they, are they biting yet? No, not really. That's what I was amazed with. Even for a little puppy that looks like a pit bull mix of some type, probably a pit bull retriever, but they have the markings of a pit bull. Okay. These dogs have an incredible temperament. Like, still had a soft bite. Like, I would purposely test them. I like to test puppies that way. They would not clamp down. They'd chew huh. a little bit, but they wouldn't clamp down. That's great. So they're, got, good, they're good with kids. And it's a brother and sister, good pairing, great find for Eric and Emily, and I'm sure kids will come along one day. Oh, I don't want to say too much. But listening back to the great marriage debate, it was uh, eye-opening in one aspect. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking. You know, we we talk these days about the effect of social media on our brains. Now, it's not just a dopamine hit of like, oh, we, we get a number of likes or reactions or whatever. But now, apparently, this is bringing it down a little bit, but teen suicide is way up. I think something like 15 to 30, the number one cause of death is suicide. And so there are new uh, developers, app developers out there, trying to figure out if they can install certain types of apps that track your behavior on the phone to see if your mood's changing, if maybe you're sliding into depression. Things like typing speed, what you're searching for, how you're reacting to certain things. And they're doing test runs with teens that have signed up voluntarily and college students that have signed up. It's interesting. Well, well, it's interesting and it's evasive because that's just like, you know, I can guarantee you right now, take a debit card out of your pocket, it's got a chip on it. All right. Does the government really need to know that much about it? That's, oh, I I don't think so. I think they spy way too much. And that's one issue gives me the creeps, man. Not to get too far into the weeds. Yeah. But Barack Obama, I think it was like the 2014, yeah, 2014 State of the Union. Right after Snowden came out with his leaks in 2013. And Barack Obama sort of gave lip service to the idea that we're going to reform the national security surveillance state. And, you know, usually during State of the Unions, one side gets up, oh, you're great. Others are boo. Like, there's reactions. He said something like that, where we're going to reform the national security state and the intelligence surveillance apparatus. Crickets. You want me to tell you why? Because the John Wayne generation that's still in there mm-hmm. lost their freaking mind. Like, you're going to do what? Right. When did Americans begin to scare so easy? That one line from the newsroom. Oh, man. And it's a real thing. When do we begin to scare so easy to give up our liberties? That, that's a whole other show. Of, of course, of course. But I was thinking about how social media, in particular, having these little screens we still call phones for some reason, these massive, incredible computers uh-huh. on us all the time, how that affects our brains. But 
you and I are of a generation before the massive little computer in our hands. You, you know what? I think we came along just at the right time. Yeah. We like, like we, we could appreciate the old pay phones and stuff like that. Right. But we're not too old to where we can't get with the times as far as, like, the new iPhones and stuff like that. Like, we're right in that nice right. little medium. Well, we still remember. I mentioned the passing of Mean Gene Okerlin. Oh, yeah, God. you remember him, that right, hurt my Brandon? Heart, man. Yeah, that, like, uh, look. Mean! And Gene Okerlund used to do the hotline. So call this number if you want some inside info on what Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth are going through. And you would call up the collect number, and I'm sure they were getting a little revenue for WCW, and and the you know company would get these collect numbers. And it's just so it's such another world because I've been watching this old wrestling. It brings you back to my childhood where we didn't have constant access to the internet. We might have had a central family computer. Well, well but but that's the thing. Saturday Saturday afternoons, when that was coming on, we, you knew where the kids were going to be. Right. You know, we just got up from the table at dinner, and hey, we knew wrestling was coming on. Like, please, right. mom, can we just, can you just turn it on? I want to watch Jake the Snake. It, oh man, some of the interviews with the Ultimate Warrior. Just uh, Ultimate War. Talk about being hopped up on painkillers and cocaine. Cocaine. Oh, <laughs> Both God. of them, man. It, it's unreal. But I was thinking that we are probably influenced by social media because we're involved in it these days. But our childhoods and our teenage years were more influenced by when television was the main medium yeah, and but, movies were. Could, but could you imagine being 12 or 13 back in our day and having that much access to no. everything? No. We wouldn't have known what to do. And it almost, I think, is making... Kids, this is just a gut feeling. I don't have any evidence to back this up, but I think it's making kids more cynical and more aware of the posturing we all do in social settings. Well, that and it's it's growing them up too fast. Like most right. most kids don't come to this realization till after five years after I've graduated college. Then the world kind of crushes you right. a little bit. <laughs> you know, you know. But hey, they're learning early on, it, man. They're learning at like 13 like oh my god but it makes me wonder because we instead of using social media used television yeah. and movies do you think we became too used to the sitcom solution to life the romantic comedy solution to life well did it idealize may, and may, wrap up life too neatly well, well I, i'll give you two films do you remember disney's aladdin yeah of course oh made you believe in love a whole new world yeah, great a song whole new world. but then you had the lion king yeah long live the king and then he just tosses him off a cliff. I'm still angry about that. I have to say, of the two movies, I think The Lion King's deeper. I think The Lion King's better. And The Lion King is a classic story of somebody burying his father and becoming the man he should be. It's a great and, story. And I'll give you some facts that you don't know about that. The original director for The Lion King quit and took half of the staff to go work on a better film that he thought at the time, Pocahontas. Okay, right. And that so, meant it was a bunch of new guys. Bunch of new guys. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas is just in the studio like, okay, are we still doing this? They're like, oh, yeah, just just go over your lines. Keep going over your lines. But I want to I focus on the central question again. Okay. Do you think because of the movie 
way of telling a story or the sitcom way of telling a story in matters. And I was thinking this listening back to the great marriage debate, which folks you can find in the Joey Clark Radio Hour archives. Of Just course. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, look it up on SoundCloud. All the episodes, 300 plus, I think this is 316 now, are there in the archives. So you Austin. can find the great marriage debate. Just type in Joey Clark, great marriage debate should come right up. But it had me thinking, do you think we now are cynical about dating and relationships and marriage, you and I, because we had this idealistic image thrown at us so often when we were kids? Well, the thing is, you had the idealistic images during the 90s, which were great. But towards the 2000s, that's when you got introduced to a lot of tragedies. Mm. You have a lot of love stories that ended tragically. Right. You know, both of them die at the end. Does one come to mind? Or, well, The Notebook. Well, the Notebook. Beyond The Notebook, you know. That's a touching story in a way. I mean, no, it deals with something. I know people personally in my life, like, when you're older. That's well, the part well, of love well, that doesn't it, often get showcased, and I like that they did that in that movie. Now, there's a new film out called Liberal Arts. I haven't seen um, that. It's starring the guy from, um, Ted from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, he actually goes back to college uh, to do a dinner or something for his professor. And during this time, he meets this idealistic sophomore. Mm. And, of course, they somehow, someway fall in love. Mm-hmm. But it comes into play that he's 16 years older than her. And, Ooh. you know, it's kind of like that forbidden thing. There's a bit of an ick factor there. An icky, 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 icky factor. Which, technically, she is grown, but... Right. Exactly. So you deal with that, but I'm not going to tell you how it ends, but it doesn't end how you think. See, but this is rock and roll, man. Just think about a song like by Kiss, Gene Simmons singing it. Christine, 16. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but then. Oh, there, Gene Simmons. Wait a minute, but you got guys back in the 80s talking about some, I'm in love with Jesse's mom. Yeah. Oh, Jesse's girl. Oh, Jesse's girl. I'm yeah, sorry. That's, not Je- that's Stacy's mom. Stacy's mom. Later. That, yeah. I mean, based on that video, I was in love with Stacy's <laughs> mom. I'm st- I still am. I don't know if it's love or lust, but Stacy's mom does have a going yeah, on. Yeah, but but I mean, was that age appropriate? No. Even though it was a guy's point of view. No, but I, I've done some thinking where it's like maybe because we see so many love stories or other types of stories wrapped up in a nice little bow of 30 minutes or an hour or two and a half hours. That's not life. But you learn so many lessons about life through the entertainment we watch. And because life is so messy, you're bound to be disappointed when it doesn't live up to these dramas. Well, but but you know what? I will say one thing. You don't get as many rom-coms as you used to. Oh no. There are more tragedies now. And it's more it's more realistic. Yeah. Because people that's the thing. They say it in the Matrix, you know, the reason the original Matrix didn't work is because you know, it was Everybody too, was too happy. It, it was too perfect. It was too happy. Yeah. And that's what this new generation is now. They're exploring and finding these new ways, these new avenues of finding these tragedies and it's like, "Oh, this is how life actually is." Yeah. But of course, at 12 and 13, you can't conceptualize that. You can't really deal with that emotionally. But now kids, as we established earlier, seem to be dealing with that. In the wrong way, though. Right. Well, it's it's like we're curating our lives. It's like we're 
presenting ourselves. It's like um, everybody does it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, folks. Everybody wears a mask, a public face. You don't talk to your average, even acquaintance or friend out when you're having dinner the same way you might talk to your spouse or your children or your close friend at home. Uh, there's We play different roles. You might not behave the same way at work because you just got to tolerate it or you got to get by. I mean, we all oh, oh, put yeah, on but, different faces. And, and it's funny because they have a YouTube video where it shows this woman walking into her job mm. and she switches personalities at least six times. <laughs> she says hello to the guy at the door. Hey, how you doing? Then there's a Latino uh, male person and she starts talking Spanish and, you know, hey. Right. And then it's Karen. Hey, Karen, how are you today? <laughs> you know, and she, like, her personality yeah, just switched just yeah. that quickly. And it's, you have a lot of people at the job that are like that. Yeah. Well, and, but now we're doing it on a scale that is, you know, you present yourself in a particular way. It's like when I see one of these, like, yoga models on Instagram and they're doing this perfect, like, handstand pose. Like, how many takes did that take? <laughs> how many times did you fall right on your ass? Before you got that perfect shot with the correct lighting. Exactly. That's not how life with is. The, with the sun just coming in just right. Though I do have to say, one of my favorite people, and he's become one of my favorite people, it wasn't like I've always been a huge fan, is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. And he put out a video saying this isn't tricky lighting, this isn't like a professional shot, though it probably is professionally shot. This is hard work. I mean, you don't get looking like The Rock unless you put in the work. And there's a element to that that I really respect because I'm down with somebody's down and out. There are inequities in society. Let's help people that are suffering. But when you look at somebody like The Rock, I don't look at him and go, oh, how lucky he is. That's unfair. I look at him and go, well, that's a guy who's worked his tail off. Oh, oh yeah. But, but see, you've seen his journey from the WWE yeah. to what he is. Now. And, and The Rock will tell you, even now. I have good days and bad days. Yeah. Guess what? It's great to be able to have almost a week to eat what you want, you know, and bulk up. Right. But then you have to spend the next two weeks. Got a cut. <sighs> you know, hitting them weights. Well, and he's got this, like, three-trailer-wide traveling gym with him that is Oh, you got epic. to. Oh, you got to, it's unreal. You got to. But I, I, I like people like that, not that I want to be them, because I think that schedule, is, that type of life is just, you have to work up to it. Well, well, I don't think most people understand and, to be a star of that level, the work. That and that's just like um, Tom Hardy, who's the gentleman who's playing Venom uh, in this new movie. Yeah. He's had a lot of roles where he's bulked up, shrunk, bulked up. And he said that is the hardest thing is having to keep doing that to your body. Like, he had to take two years off after he played Bane and Batman. Yeah, I expect uh, Christian Bale, for the same reason, to probably have an early death. I just saw him uh, this week. I went and saw Vice. Didn't really like the movie, and I'm not a fan of Dick Cheney. Um, but it, I just didn't think it was a great movie. But Bale put on all this weight. He looked like Dick Cheney. It was unreal, like the weight and everything. And he really pulled it off. But to go skinny, to go buff, to go fat, and, it's and, just and see that's the same thing with Val Kilmer. That's why you don't see him in as much stuff anymore, right? Because he is, as you said. Butterface. <laughs> it's definitely a butterface. Well, you know, it's a lot of work, and it's got to be at a certain point, especially if you, you're now a middle-aged guy. Even if you were once a, you know, hubba hubba, like, big movie star, hot stuff, 
some stud. It's, you got to get tired of that at a certain well, point. But, but you know what? I think it's different for men and women, the aging process, because, oh, yeah. you know, women start to feel it about 30. Mm-hmm. At 30, the 35 mark. You no, know, I was ma- 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 maybe maybe the flip of the hair doesn't do it anymore. Oh, right. You know, I, I see what I you used, mean. I used to put on these certain jeans, and hey, I could I could be carrying groceries, and isn't they just that, run up to me. Isn't that hilarious and ironic? Because you always complain about the attention, and I've had women tell me that just like I'm wearing sweatpants or yoga pants, and like I'm sweaty and nasty from the gym, and I've got all these guys creeping on me at the grocery store. And I I would hate that. Like, a bunch of random strangers just creeping on me all the time. See, see, but then they go on, and they complain, what happened to all the attention? It, 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 exactly. <laughs> it, you know, I want somebody to just love me for right, me. Sure. Yeah, okay. Right. How, how old are you? 39? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and this is what I mean. I think we're both so cynical about this stuff. It's because we wanted it to be this ideal that we saw as kids. And it's not. You know what? You know what? You know what? It's not that we wanted it. It's that when we found out the truth and it wasn't what we thought it was, it's like now, okay, I have to tell everybody else the truth. Oh, yeah, that's a nice movie, but life is not like that. You know, we're, we're like Lewis Black, like the worst camp counselor ever and accept it. You know, he's he's just telling everybody, you're just going to shrub up and die one day. Yeah, this burnt out hippie is now the chancellor or the yeah, dean. Yeah, the dean of the school. That's how we are now. Yeah. You know, all these young kids come around, oh, I think I'm going to marry her. No, chances are she's probably going to sleep with your best friend. There's this there's this trend, though, that's going on, and Louis C.K., he, he was back, and He's now in trouble, and it's not having anything to do with him pulling out his junk. For once. And we'll, we'll get into it. we got to hit this break here. But Louis has been uh, called out by other comics. And he, he's pointing out something I've also heard a comedian, Doug Stanhope, point out. This, this younger generation coming up, what's the usual thing when you talk about the kids? It's like... Oh, they're so fast and loose that I don't understand their music. I don't understand why, what, where's their morality coming from, all this stuff. No, with kids these days, they're more prim and proper than the generation before. When you were a kid in the 90s, you were doing some messed up stuff if you were out there and prone to doing that. Kids these days, they're very, they're having less sex. On purpose, they say. No, they're no. not using as much drugs. They say on purpose. Well, well, you have to, you have to, you have to think about this. And our friend on the, uh, I forgot the guy's name. He called in on the Michael Jackson show and kind of gave us an antithesis of that. Yeah. Um, you have to think, sex is more readily available. We could, we we didn't have cell phones where we could just go mm. type in a couple of words and bam, it's in front well, of us. And you always get in trouble speaking in generalities. I'm sure there are some young kids in their teens living it up and living fast and loose, burning the candle at both ends. But just studies are showing it. And the one thing is, instead of rebelling together against the authorities, that was a common theme. At least I me mean, growing up in Catholic schools, like how can we? mess with the teacher how can we mess with the principal sock it to the man right yeah stick it to the man kids these days more want to rat each other out to the man oh yeah they want to be the man oh, they, no, no 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 that's no, 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 no. but they want to be the man without actually beating the man Ooh, i hear a little rick flair in there yeah and i'm a little uh frustrated with these uh youths today man. my 30 year old self and it's not just the Utes. It's I think they've learned it from generations before them of 
call-out culture, cancellation culture. Oh, oh, the the first 48 culture. Mm-hmm. And this is what has Louis C.K. in trouble. It's what got Kanye in trouble, this cancellation culture. Oh, you got to tell me after the break, man. After the break, we'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. song is Footsteps in the Dark by the Isley Brothers. Oh, yeah. Now, as promised during the break, Louis C.K.'s in hot water again. Again? No, not that type of hot water. No, he's in the bad type of hot water. Apparently, being transgressive is a good thing for certain folks until you piss them off. Uh oh. So, December 16th, Louis C.K. performed a bit in Long Island to a private audience. He wasn't trying to present it to the whole nation, but you know, these days, people have smartphones and cameras, and so the bit leaked online without his permission. And it was mentioned on the front page of the New York Post and the New York Times. So, what did Louis do? What did he do? He went after some of these newfound teenage celebrities. Okay. I'll give the exact quote from Louis' bit. You're not interesting because you went to a high school where kids got shot. Why does that mean I have to listen to you? Why does that make you interesting? You didn't get shot. You pushed some fat kid in the way, and now I've got to listen to you talking? He also went on to make fun of hypersensitive, scoldy, uptight young people and their pronoun posturing. This brought down the wrath of God from fellow comedians Andy Richter, Judd Apatow, and many out there who just, you know, how dare you, sir? How dare you take on these kids? Do you want me to go into it? Yeah. Okay. Number one, he's not that far off. Right. He's not that far because of this PC culture. You know, oh, oh, we have to give them their space. We can't talk about these kids because their schools got shot up. But they didn't get shot. No. It's not like at all. Did you see the first like opening episode of South Park this year? No. It's I think it's uh Stan goes home and his dad Randy is they're sitting around the dinner table, Stan and Randy, his dad, and his mom across the table. And it's like, Stan, tell your father what happened at school today. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I, I failed my math quiz. No, no, Stan, I'm not talking about your math quiz. What happened at school today? Oh, yeah, some kid shot up the school, Dad. And his dad rings like, my God, Stan. Are, did you shoot up the school? No. Did uh, did you get shot? No. Well, tell me about this math quiz then. <laughs> Thank you. And to a certain point, the joke is there where I think there is a... Obviously, if you have a kid at a school that gets shot up, you're going to be worried. I'm like, oh, how oh, could oh. this have been prevented? 
um, are you okay or the kids okay? And if you're being deadly serious, no pun intended. But when kids who were not shot are now experts on public policy, and more than that, they're these sacred cows in the culture, sacred cows with millions of Twitter followers. No, no, what's crazy is... I'm talking about kids who wasn't even at the school that day. Oh, I decided to skip school that day. But because I went to that school, all of a sudden I'm on CNN. Well, I didn't actually know the kid per se, but uh, he uh, I passed him in the hallway a couple times and he seemed like an OK guy. That's it. Well, and essentially, and this is from Kyle Smith, a writer at National Review, said what is driving this episode of cultural citizens arrest is that the Parkland kids are considered untouchable. They can't be made fun of. They are icons. And Louis C.K., like most good comics, is an iconoclast. It's good to eschew the taboo. What, what? It's good to call out and make a joke. Well, well, that's just like the kids at Columbine, the kids at Virginia Tech. You can't talk about these people. Yeah, and we're not talking about the kids who got shot. No. We're not talking about people that died. No. We're now saying that, hey, just because this tragedy happened doesn't mean you can you know, control the lives of millions of people through public policy. But apparently you can. Well, and that's not even Louis saying. You can go, why are you interesting? That's a great line from Louis. I actually appreciate it. Well, I well, saw that today. Well, I would ask the same thing. About the wife of the next person we're talking about, Kanye West. Yes, let's get to Kanye West. Now, nothing new has come out. Mm-hmm. I think I saw over the holidays he got Kim a birthday gift, which was like some ornate, ridiculous condo or something. Like millions of dollar apartment. Whatever. And yeah, you made your money. You make great music that people adore. All power to you, man. No envy here. But Yet. I read I read I read a piece on Kanye though that came out from Brian Doherty of Reason.com. And Doherty's point is that him looking back several months removed now from Kanye going to the Oval Office, Kanye wearing the Make America Great Again hat, uh, Kanye even putting out a song where T.I. was the foil, rep, you know, he versus the people. And yep. T.I.'s sort of going, what are you doing with this nonsense, man? And Kanye saying, no, I took the Make America Again hat and brought compassion and peace and love to it and all this stuff. And Doherty's point in his piece is the way Kanye, he actually plays it up, uh, Jesus is crucified. He played it up as that Kanye West... He didn't support Trump and his policies completely. Kanye West reached out to Trump, in particular on prison reform, commuting people's sentences. And guess what we got? We got a major prison reform bill that got rid of a lot of mandatory minimums that improved the criminal justice system a great deal. And a lot of people's sentences were commuted by the president after meeting with Kanye and Kim Kardashian. That's what I was about to get to. Kanye didn't do it. Mm. It was after his wife visited. It was the wife. No. Well, actually, if we're going to give the credit where it's due, it's probably to Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law. Yeah. Who but, is, loves this topic. It's one of his yeah, projects. Yeah, but it was after Kim yeah. took a weekend to the White House, which, which most other people can't. But she went to the White House and somehow got it done. So shout out to Kim K. Yeah, but here's another question that's on along the same lines. In my Louis C.K. voice, mm-hmm. what makes Kim Kardashian so interesting? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, because she almost seems plastic. 
Because she was in one Tate 10 right. years well, ago? That's what started it, I think. No, no, but I'm just saying, because she was on one Tate 10 years ago, she has an open invitation. Oh, wait, wait, wait. She has an open invitation to the White House. Yeah, I'm famous for being famous. Well, Trump was that way before he became president. Now, Trump had a little more money. Trump was... In a way, a promoter and a big real estate tycoon. He was famous in New York City before he ever became famous nationwide. But Trump, at a certain point, became famous for being famous. Like, you just, Donald Trump was synonymous with money. And and, and, and apparently, porn stars, too. Oh, yeah. Apparently. And Playboy Playmates. and Exactly. And, you know, it's not cool to be sleeping around on your wife, but there are a lot of people in this country who go... You know, they'll be like, that's outrageous. And then behind the doors, like, yeah. fist bump. Fist bump, well, well, Mr. Well, I, mean, I mean, because most guys would be like, well, yeah, I would sleep with her too. Yeah. yeah. Just being honest, just being cynical. Just, not necessarily right. Exactly. what people do. Uh, and we had that same topic in the great marriage debate. Yeah. We did. But here's, here's the thing. Is the point Doherty makes in the piece is that why is it, even though Kanye is not agreeing with Trump on issues the left hates, like, say, the wall and immigration. He's reaching out on issues that progressives on the left, libertarians like myself, and small government conservatives on the right have been pushing for a while, mm -hmm. on prison reform in particular. Okay. Why does that all of a sudden make Kanye West now, what was said on CNN? He's an Uncle Tom. Then they took the fact of that he's been diagnosed with some mental illnesses, you can't listen to him. He's just crazy. Okay. Which is just a ridiculous way to treat anybody <clears throat> with a mental health condition. Okay, now... It, why is it that it, he was such a... Why was it so outrageous that Kanye West would go and talk to Donald Trump and that the backlash would be, cancel him, don't buy his stuff, shut oh, him up? Oh, okay. Well, let's think about let's think about this. Would I be okay showing up to work with a KKK shirt on? No. Probably no. not. But would it be okay for me to go to a Klansman house and talk to him? Yeah, probably. Wouldn't be okay to talk to somebody? Not in that setting. No, but we had this conversation off air. There's a very successful musician, Daryl Davis, who made it his life's work. Yeah. Actually, to seek out... Daryl Davis is a black man. Mm -hmm. He would seek out Klansmen. Mm -hmm. And we're not talking people you suspect, people you want to smear as part of the Ku Klux Klan. We're talking about full-blown, legit Klansmen. Mm -hmm. Robes and everything. And Daryl Davis, as a black musician, would befriend these people. And the question he would ask them is, how can you hate me if you don't know me? I, I understand. And it, he but, but, would then go on to befriend these guys to the point where he would get them to give up being a member of the clan, give up their robes, and he now has a collection of 50 robes of people he's convinced to see and, the error of their ways. And I understand that, which is a good way, but when he was doing that, number one, he was not going to these places by himself. He sure. would He would let people know, hey, I'm going out here to meet with Johnny. You know, John, because I... I hate to say, it's kind of a stereotype, but most people in the KKK, a lot of them live in some rural areas. So, I'm not about to go to no wooded area. Sure. As, as black guy well, by myself. common sense, yeah. You know, you know, to go meet some guy. Right, but here's my general question. When somebody reaches out to the so-called other side, and their motivation is to get something positive done and try to bring some love and understanding to the situation... Why are they lambasted by the mob? Listen to 
to uh, Kanye West's album Graduation. They didn't ask that question. Well, we don't have time right now. No, but uh, but I'm just saying that's the answer. What what would that's you... why people have turned on him because it's like it's like saying I'll never eat chocolate, and then and then, you eat then the next thing you know, I have a whole Hershey's kiss in my hand. Sure, that's what it was like for 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 black people seeing Kanye West. It was like, oh, you know, Bush is doing this, and hey, I'm for the people, and we right. like it. And, you know, the people were behind him, like, yeah, Kanye, we love you, man. Yeah, yeah. the famous moment where Kanye said George Bush hates black people or something. And Mike Myers is just sitting there like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, Kanye? Yeah, yeah. But you take that, that Kanye, that that rebel rouser, and then you put him on to make America See, but on great the hat. surface of things, it's like he's doing a contradiction. He's contradicting himself. I don't think he was. I don't think he was at all. I don't know. I, and this is, I, I love the moment, not because I'm a Republican or a huge Trump guy. I'm not. You know me. Mm-hmm. I call him like I see it. I love that moment in the Oval Office because it was confounding people's expectations. It wasn't going to be like everybody's going to get in a circle and sing Kumbaya or anything. But it was a moment where it made people go, you either become outraged, like, how dare you, how dare you betray us, or it made you step back and go, huh. And to see out of that positive things get done, I liked. And I also appreciate that Kanye stood up for himself when Candace Owens, I believe is her name, tried to start this fashion line called Blexit, Black Exit or whatever. And he said, no, don't associate my name with this. And now I'm getting out of politics because you folks, all of y'all, on well, whatever well, side, well, are, are ridiculous. Well, that's just like the whole Black Lives thing come out. Then all of a sudden you get to seeing all these bumper stickers on the back of everybody window yeah. down here. Salt Life and, yeah, and hashtag activism. And, and, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like... Well, it gets back to everybody's posturing these days and curating their lives and so, oh, I'm a good person. Let me show how much of a good person I am. Rather than doing the hard work of especially reaching across to your so-called enemies and going, we can find understanding. Did you know, Kanye, in that Oval Office meeting, I think when a notice said, President Trump, I want to get you at the Super Bowl halftime show wearing, a, not again, Make America Great, right alongside Colin, Colin Kaepernick. Saying that to the President of the United States, who the President is, I mean, lambasted. This is a guy using his star power and his celebrity to talk to another celebrity, now the most powerful man in the world, to create a moment of understanding that confounds our usual labels and limits. And it's just something what? I love. What? And what? it goes back to the Louis point, is that it's, it's untouchable. No, you can't, no, but, you can't but behave I, this way. But, but the timing of it all. Like, Trump's approval numbers take a nosedive, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like he, he's got he's got the one house black guy. Yeah. Like, hey, look, he's okay with me. See? But why is We're it taking per- pictures together. Why is it perceived that way? Why? Is you- Kanye West not proven himself to be a pretty independent artist? I'm not saying Kanye West is the greatest thinker in the world. He's not. He's an artist. Exactly. But he's proven himself to, Kanye has to be a pretty independent guy, does what he wants. Mm, well, you think in light of his medication and yeah. all these things to come out, you don't think none of that affected those decisions? It could have. Or any of the wild 
other things that he's but been But here's doing? my point. I don't think any of that would have come up if he had kept toeing the party line and just took taken Trump down the same way he took on George W. Bush. I think nobody would have mentioned the mental health stuff. Well, but, and that's, at, uh, but, that's but, the but, but at the same time, it does not hurt that you have a president who's more than likely convicted of sleeping with a porn star. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Is that hurt. a crime? No, no, it's not. It's not a crime. <laughs> but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to have one of the most famous, you know, amateur porn stars as your wife. <laughs> just saying. I just and, and, and then you send her, and then a week later, reform goes. I through. just love those moments, whether it's Louis at some Long Island comedy club or it's Kanye West in the Oval Office, that makes people's heads explode. I love that stuff. Because I think people get in their lanes, and they don't think outside the box. And I'm not saying that your lane's a wrong lane to be in, that your heart is in the right place, and even your policy, your principles are wrong. I'm saying it, it's healthy for all of us occasionally to get out of our lanes and I, to I, talk I, to I, I put it to you like this. I hate, to, I hate to even use this as an example. But seeing Kanye West in the Oval Office with a Make America Great shirt on for the first time, was the same would be the same reaction I would have as the scene R. Kelly at an elementary school play. <laughs> I'm not sure if I follow that. After after all, well, the stuff, I know what R. Kelly did. Yeah, but I'm just saying that it would just blow your mind to walk into an elementary school and there's R. Kelly in the corner. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is he here? Unless this kid goes to school here. <laughs> You know, oh, oh no, he doesn't have any kids. He's well, just a guest. Get the hell look, out, of Arkansas. Look, look, he's just a guest speaker. What? Yeah. Well, he's oh, going to oh, do an Arkansas version of ignition Ka- for the great school. Exactly. Kanye West has <laughs> no degrees in politics, but he's here. Why, why is he here? Why is he here right now? And see, that's just like. Because he has a powerful voice. And, and see, that's just like, I'm loving the fact that Republicans are like, oh my God, the House is mostly. Uh, Democrat now, you know, yeah, everything's, they have going, the majority now. everything's going to crap. Well, Obama had to deal with the same thing, so what's the Yeah, difference? I actually think uh, divided government is not the worst thing in the world, especially Ex- from my perspective. Well, well, to me, it's a checks and balances type of exactly. thing. Exactly. It means they either get something done that everybody wants to do, like this prison reform, the First Step Act. The yeah. open is just a first step. They need to go further. Exactly. So hopefully they'll get some things done that'll be what everybody and, 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 wants, and see, or they'll do nothing, which is also a great thing. And, and then, that's just like when Obama was trying to get health care reform through. After a while, he just was like, okay, tell me what you guys want to do, <laughs> what you want to add to it, and, you know, whatever you guys want, just to say yes, let's just get the health care yeah. thing out there. That, there was too much fundamental disagreement over that. Well, 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 but see, that's the thing. The, the Affordable Care Act that you see that's in effect it wasn't what Obama originally wanted, but he had to add stuff to get people to say, I mean, that's what you got to do. You you got to play the game. Well, politics is very messy in that way. I, I think As you that. see on House of Cards. No, and I'm talking to somebody who personally, my narrow self-interest benefits from the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, as some call it. I, though, look at that law, and you know, that is not a great law. And I hope we come up with a better but, solution. But it's not the original one that he drafted. It was stuff that was added on by other people. It was like, okay, will you say yes now to it? If I add nah. this on it, you you got to. Because 
you have to think at that time that's all everybody was talking about. Yeah. Healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. Well, and also healthcare. I've called out the Republicans for this, and I think the Democrats are doing it now, and on different issues. But for years, the Republicans ran against Obamacare bad, Obamacare bad, Obamacare bad. What happens when Trump and the Republicans now have the House and the Senate? Now, it's a narrow Senate majority. But what do they do when they now have power? And they've been running for years against Obamacare and this monstrosity of a law. They don't have anything to replace it with. Nothing. Because it was more a good slogan for getting elected and being oppositional than it was about really changing the law in a good way. And that's what I worry is happening now. I hope something good gets done. Well, and then you have to you have to figure that a lot of those card carrying Republicans up there on Capitol Hill, guess who they're in bed with? The pharmaceutical companies. Well both sides are in bed with them, man. I'm I'm well, yeah. But <laughs> it benefits it benefits them more to let healthcare prices go up. Oh, but the pharmaceutical companies love the Affordable Care Act. Oh, it was guaranteed money. Oh, of course. The health stocks went sky high after... Yeah. Because it secured payments to insurance companies. Obamacare really hurt your sort of bread and butter middle class. It upped their premiums a lot. Well, well have we had a middle class after the 90s? Somebody please yes, tell we have a middle no, class. No, I refuse. I re- oh. No, I refuse. It's the haves, half-nots. That, yeah. That's how I'm going on that. Well, there are a lot of people that have, though. And they're not exactly rich, but they have small businesses. They who are, get, who are getting crushed by Walmarts next. Well, it's not just uh, Walmart. I'm talking about people that might have, say, an AC company. They're an electrician, whatever. And they're trying to self-insure through their company. And premiums keep going sky high. Obamacare essentially shifted cost onto that group of people. In a big way, it mandated all sorts of things from the federal government that a health care policy must cover. And like I said, I personally benefit from the law to a degree. I just don't, it, it didn't start with Obamacare. My critique of the health care system goes way, way back. And that's to the Republicans' fault or to the right's fault or whatever. The so-called free marketers are not really well, half well, the time. The, they didn't actually realize that this has become sort of a crony system a long time ago. And I don't think Obamacare fixed that. I think it just kind of said, okay, we have a crony system. We're going to give away more and shift the costs some more around on the different parts of the population. But I hope they repeal it. I hope they come up with something better. Now, this is my question, and this is a question I've asked a lot of people. Why can Canada afford to give all their citizens free health care, but we can't? We have a lot less people, number one. A lot less people. But Canada's like 30, 40 million people versus 300 something million. And also. So that means we, have, we, would, we would have more revenue then, too. Well, we have very diverse populations, too, in the sense that what Alabama needs is not what California needs. And that's why I think the ideal system would be involving a lot of health care back to the state level. Um, but here's the thing when California looked into doing their own single-payer, I believe, when the state of Vermont looked into doing their own single-payer, similar to Canada, they couldn't pass it because the price tag is astounding. And that's just for basic-level coverage. I would like to get back to traditional insurance where you insure for big events that you don't necessarily foresee. I would look into getting insurance to be a lifetime built-up equity instead of year over your annual Well, well, well but, but you, have to, you have to figure this, though. 
most, especially down here, most healthcare companies don't want to pay you. Like, if you have to go to the hospital, they want to pay up to a certain thing. Yes. Well, we'll that's pay a percentage. Right. We're not going to totally cover anything. Well, and that's why it, it goes up. I mean, it, that's the game the doctors and the insurance companies and the hospitals play, is they ask for an astounding amount, knowing the insurance company's going to go, oh, we'll give you less. And what's happening is consumers aren't driving prices. I wish we could have actual insurance for things that might happen, catastrophic insurance like somebody like myself, and then... Doctor's visit shouldn't be prepaid by your health care plan. Well, a doctor's well, visit is something that's foreseeable that you're going to do, and if you actually pay it out of pocket, costs would start to come down a ridiculous amount. And the one silver lining of Obamacare that did allow for so-called mutual aid health organizations. There's one called Christian Healthcare Ministries. There are many others out there where it's not traditional insurance, it's more cost sharing. So you pay in and your little group then will front cost. Uh, up to a certain dollar amount. It's not for particular procedures. It's just you have this much money backing you up if something happens. Exactly. And I I like that approach a lot. There's all sorts of ideas with health care. Well, well, but it, my, my general point tonight mm-hmm. is that we get, I think, way too caught up in the fight. Way too caught up in you're on that side, I'm on this side. We disagree, and we can never play nice. We can never show any understanding or compassion for one another because... What are you doing? You're betraying the cause. Oh, the Hatfields and the McCoys. I think sometimes Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Sometimes Romeo and Juliet need to get together. <laughs> they don't need to just constantly fight and stay in their lane. But we're out of time. Oh, man, this has been great, man. Thank you for joining me tonight, Brandon. All right, man, take it easy. Be back tomorrow, folks. Joey Clark. Oh.